This is out of bounds. This is Out of Bounds, your Monday stop for the weird, wacky, wild in the sports world. That's a dancing Mia O'Brien. I'm John Alba. We are here to have some fun with you on your Monday happy hour. What's going on, Mia? How we doing? Yeah, we're still podcasting from the kitchen, but the new mm. desk has been acquired. And more importantly, John Alba, the missing lug nut from when I bought the desk has been delivered to me today. I so now I can actually begin... Nut. Yes. So now I can begin to put the podcast studio together, which is very, very exciting. So uh, eventually, I promise uh, we won't be broadcasting from the lovely new kitchen. Uh, But in the interim, I'm just happy to see your shining face. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's another week that we get a chance to hang out and get to do this. It was a late night in New York City last night waiting for the New York Giants game to wrap up. And I'm sure we're going to get to have some fun with that on this episode of out of bounds how was your weekend with another jaguars win yes another jaguars win and i did break away from college football for better or worse saturday to attend you know what it is i was gonna ask you how was your swifty party it was epic john i don't think i can ever go to a normal movie in a movie theater ever again after this because granted it was an imax and stadium seating so like you felt like you were at the concert but it was just it was something to marvel at the fact that I think this is going to become a thing now, whether it's Taylor Swift, Beyonce, insert name of global star here. If the tickets for your concert are being sold like crazy, just turn it into a movie. You'll get even more people, even those who have already attended your show live to attend in the movie theater. And maybe that'll save movie theaters too. So shout out to Taylor Swift. Um, but it was epic. People are dancing and singing the whole time. You feel like you're in a concert. It was a good time. Did it feel immersive? um, What's that? Did it feel immersive? Yes. And you could tell. So she filmed it during her final show um, of the domestic part of the tour so far in LA. And you could tell the first probably half hour of that show, she was just doing a normal concert. But then the second hour and 42 hours, she was playing to the camera. So like you could tell she was like actually looking and, oh, but people were standing up, cheering, singing. Oh my God, John, it was, as someone who loves live music like yourself, like if Bruce was to do this, I understand we enjoy the Apple TV specials he's put together, but if he was to do something like this, you would feel the same exact way. I mean, they've done live concert films. This ain't the first live concert film in the history of live concert films. But this was just, like people are screaming and cheering and like, it was, I, I can't even begin to describe it, although I did miss the end of Oregon and Washington for it. Um, but I, I rewatched the game, so we're okay, um, which was very disappointing. Um, but at the same time, well, not disappointing Washington one, but disappointing I missed it. Um, but it was worth it because John Alba, the legend. We got posters too. They were out of merch already two days into the movie, but we did get posters merch. for free. So. Okay. All right. Well, I'm Mer- glad yes, you they were selling that. merch at the theater. She's smart. Uh, if you're into that, I hope you had a great time. If you're into interacting us with us here on Out of Bounds, we want you to head on over to kynchat.com or you just leave a super chat on YouTube if you're watching. That's your way to guarantee that your comment gets read on air. Occasionally we'll pick from the comments section, but to guarantee it, that's how you make sure that we will get our eyes on it and put it up on air. Uh, we have lots of football to talk about on this week's edition of Out of Bounds. We'll be talking some baseball playoffs. We'll be talking some gymnastics. We got lots of to lots of things to dig into. Uh, what do we What are we drinking this week? 
Mo? Uh, well, John, uh, the weather has dipped below 70 degrees here in Florida. Boo-hoo. Um, so the end of my um, summer Blue Moon series, uh, the I final see. mango wheat. Cheers to the turn of fall, the crisp 60-degree air. We went for a run this morning. It was 57, and it was absolutely glorious. Uh, so. well, I got some standard JMO here. Uh, cheers to that. Actually, uh, if I may, John, real quick, what I should have brought, new partner of Mo Brian, our good friends at Brackish Vodka, local, bro- uh, local vodka here in Jacksonville. They have an espresso, a chocolate, and an elderflower vodka. They just released those three. So we made a couple. So I'm doing a, a digital video series with them and making the drinks. So we filmed the espresso martini and Andy's mint today. And I don't know if you're into that sort of thing, I'm but I may have to bring guy, some so next week. I don't do coffee, so. No, it's not. Co- it's vodka. It's yeah, not but espresso, espresso martini is it's coffee flavored. Yeah, but, it's, it's, but you taste the chocolate more than anything. Interesting. Well, cheers to them. Mm. I remind myself hmm, that it's probably not the best idea just to drink straight JMO on here. Yeah. Well, that was the problem. So we're doing this video. And uh, what's crazy is so unlike a normal espresso martini, because they have the chocolate vodka and the espresso vodka, all you need to do is just pour the two types of vodka on ice and you're good to go. Um, mm. And to your point, you felt it. Although it was pretty smooth because the chocolate is very soothing. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, I'm just drinking straight vodka on ice. A lot of fun. Mm. You want to know who wasn't smooth yesterday, Mia? Jalen Hurts, who was exposed as a fraud. <gasps> she said it. Wow. When it mattered most, Jalen Hurts came up short. He was great in this game against the Jets, aside from, you know, those interceptions. Jalen Hurts, it turns out, Mia is human. Despite his Herculean play to this point in the season, the Jets toppled the mighty undefeated Eagles 20-14 to after Hurts threw an unfathomable interception while Philly just needed to milk the clock at the end. So I ask you, was this the worst moment of Hurts' professional career? Or yes. did the New York Jets genuinely shock the world? I think it was a combination of both. All the Jets fans I've talked to today are like celebrating as if they won the Super Bowl, which as my father told me, that's pretty much standard protocol this time of year, especially knowing that Robert Sala said, even when they had Aaron Rodgers, they hoped to be three and three by the end of week six. And they still are, even with Zach Wilson at the helm. So give the Jets their their flowers. They were without their top two corners. That defense is legit. They are tied for second in the league in takeaways, number one in point differential. That's a legitimate defense. So that's number one. Similar to the Washington team last year that gave the Eagles their first loss of the season. Perhaps the Eagles were looking ahead. They overlooked the Jets. They thought we've won, what is it, 14 games. Haven't lost ever to the Jets whatever it's going to be fine 12 yeah 12 mm-hmm. thank you you could say all that and that's all fun and good um but the reality for me john is that the jets did to jalen hurts what they also did to josh allen um the difference is that josh allen has a cannon and while i don't think i'm not gonna go out and say like oh he's better than jalen hurts whatever the reality is is that this defense did the same thing in which they forced josh allen week one to make bad decisions and they forced jalen hurts last night to make bad decisions the question is though i mean why the bait why are you taking a shot like that at that point in the game that is the bigger question at hand yes and who does that why did josh allen do it week one because he did it too jalen hurts what's that 
I said, why did Josh Allen do it week one, too? He was oh, chucking no, it downfield. 100%. It, the it, Jets' it, defense just baits you into that. I, but it, they didn't They didn't even need to be baited. This we, we saw it last week with the Miami game. We talked about it, the my University of Miami game, not, not the Dolphins, where you're in a situation there they can just kneel out the clock. The Eagles didn't have the luxury of being able to, to kneel out the clock, but uh, they could have very easily kept the ball on the ground Hunted. or done a short check pass and just get it out in the open and milk as much time as you can, and maybe you give the Jets a chance deep in their own 20. And, I mean, we know that, that offense wasn't getting a whole lot cooking anyway, so I'd like my chances pretty damn well at that. Uh, this was undoubtedly, in my opinion, the worst moment of Jalen Hurts' career so far. It really was an example of underdevelopment, which we haven't seen from him. We've seen over exceeding of his expectations i still think and i i zeded this yesterday that i thought that jalen hurts for as good as he is is still probably underrated like i think he's that good but then you see a play like this and it's such a no doubter that you never take a shot like that at this point in a game you never do that there's no reason to and yeah, because they were leading, John. Like, like, let's let's get it out there. They were leading. Why are you not running the ball? That's what I'm saying. I, or or just do a short check pass. You know, I mean, do something small. You don't have to get. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's one of those instances again of people trying to be so cute and so creative and trying to make something happen when you just don't have to. It's just not necessary. And I don't want to take away because I do believe, and this is not hyperbole. I genuinely believe this. That New York Jets win was probably their biggest win in 15 years. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Unless you want to include the Bills win week one, which was, no, I think, the this most was bigger emotional than that. win. This was bigger than that because this is an undefeated team. And they've one. also beaten the Bills a couple of times in it's the last an years, MVP cal- It's an MVP caliber quarterback in Jalen Hurts that you picked off and you picked him off multiple times. You forced several turnovers. You got a mediocre offensive performance from Zach Wilson and still managed to win with that. You were missing half of your offensive line. This was an elite performance from the Jets' defense. As far as I see, Amia, this legitimately is one of the most triumphant Jets' wins of the last 15 years. And here's the tough part, John. And, uh, you know, I led off with is Jalen Hurts a fraud? And I I do not think he's a fraud, folks. That's just for clicks. Um, But I do think that he has been elevated by the fact that he has had an elite run game throughout the last two years of his time in Philadelphia. The fact that he has the number one offensive line in the league. um, These are facts that you can't dispute, quite frankly. it's, It's just reality. And, like, I'm going through stats right now, and I wish there was something to say, like, well, look at the, you know, the touchdown, the passing touchdown numbers versus the, push push um but i mean then again the kirk brotherly cousins, shove the brotherly shove excuse me um kirk cousins leads the national football league in touchdowns thrown so like that doesn't help because the vikings have two wins um but for me it's just the reality to your point of underdevelopment and the 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 reality of he's relied on that run game to open up things but also to elevate him in situations like this i have no idea who said go ahead and air it out um but if He's the quarterback we believe him to be. He should have stepped in and said, no way. I say that with the caveat of, I'm not sure how closely you were following what happened in Jacksonville yesterday. Um, Because with a three-score lead, the Jags were still throwing the ball. Their starting lineup was still in, and Trevor Lawrence now has a knee injury. 
And Jaguar fans were calling into my program today. They're calling in right now, and they're just beside themselves because, thankfully, it doesn't sound like it's an actual long-term injury for Trevor knock on wood. Um, but again, why do we live in this age, John, of I understand you pass to score, but you run to win. So why? I, I, I just want to know why because it wasn't just Jalen Hurts. It happened across the National Football League yesterday alone. Yeah, it certainly did, and there's a chance, Mia, that – well, Jets could be looking to pass the score and win sometime later this season. Well, also, um, let's talk about how the 3-3 three and three Jets and the 3-3 three and three Raiders will not be getting flexed out of Sunday Night Football no. in four weeks' time. No, they certainly won't be. This is they be- will be your Sunday Night Football game, just like the New York Giants, who we will touch on later in the program, continue to play in primetime. They certainly do, but as I was saying, later this season, uh, maybe maybe it won't be Zach Wilson that'll oh, be playing God. in prime time. Yeah. Okay. So, AA Ron, um, besides challenging Travis Kelsey to a debate about vaccines, which we won't even go there, um, was seen walking around MetLife Stadium without crutches, despite that torn Achilles. He even threw some passes pregame, and that is just five weeks after he tore his Achilles and he is having some sort of revolutionary rehab and recovery and how they did the surgery, some voodoo magic of some sort. A.A. Ron said he hopes to play at year's end. Is there any world in which that's possible? Or, like, what is this natural supplement that he took, John? I feel like I feel like Aaron Rodgers is, like, drinking bird spit or something like that in order well, to get better yet, out hold on. I have the answer. My friend Marcel, uh, who I went to Taylor Swift with, she grew it um, on her patio. This is catnip, homemade catnip. Oh. Maybe that's what he's got growing. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's, He's growing that's something possible. in the backyard. That's certainly possible. Catnip is uh, another term in other sectors of society, but I suppose that he could have that. There is no chance in hell that this guy plays this year. And if they did trot him out, it would be so wildly irresponsible. Their offensive line is horrible. They have no offensive line. Robert Sala was right in hard knocks, and we all gave him flack. They have no offensive line. If he were to somehow make it back on the field and take one bad hit or have to scramble and something goes wrong, guess what? Then he's out probably most of next season too. There is literally no upside to it. Because let's say you do make a playoff run and let's say that he does somehow miraculously come back week 17, week 18, and he's ready to go and he wants to play. Are you going to trust that he's going to automatically just be in rhythm with your offense? Like, I understand that Zach Wilson's not giving you a ton here, but are you betting your whole season on it? I mean, they already were. Everything was about. No, I know they were pre-injury. They were obviously they were pre-injury. Why wouldn't they stick to the plan? The plan is he is the plan. Not not on one leg. He's not. Not on one leg. I agree. I agree. But I think so. Let's run through the Jets schedule first and foremost, because let's see if this pipe dream of Zach Wilson having them in the hunt in December could open up the door for an Aaron Rodgers return, which if at that point he's performing that admirably or rather if their defense is playing that well, um, I mean, like, why would you pull Zach Wilson? Okay, I didn't say that. Um, okay, so the Jets, um, they're on a bye this upcoming week, which they're flying into it. Fly, Eagles, fly or not. 
fly jets, uh, fly. Uh, then they're at the Giants in the MetLife um, fiasco. That'll be a lot of fun. Then they're home against the Chargers, which no one really knows what they are. Um, as long as the big brain doesn't get in the way, Justin Herbert should have a field day. As, uh, it is a Monday night game, but that's besides the point. Um, at Vegas, as, a men- as mentioned, Sunday night football. That could be a dub. So right now you're looking at like two and one. At Buffalo, two and two. Miami, no. Atlanta, maybe. Houston, maybe. At Miami, no. Home against Washington. At Cleveland, no. At the Patriots. So the the, the moral of me run, running through that list, John, is that they actually do have some winnable games. Very much so. I'm very scared to say that. This, I mean, this is a team that very well could be in the playoffs, especially with how weak the AFC East is now. Aside from Miami, I mean, the Bills should have lost to the Giants yesterday. The Patriots They're are still booty. jet-lagged. You didn't know? They're still jet-lagged. The Patriots are booty. So there's, and, a chance for the, there's a chance for the Jets to make some noise. And uh, I just want to shut down a family. There's no shot Aaron Rodgers plays this season, and people need to get that out of their heads. Plus, like, how much effort does it require for him to stand there on the sideline and toss the ball? Does it require a ton? I don't think so. Also, sure, you, you know, like, he 1,000% said, I'm not wearing a cast out there because or riding on the scooter because I need to show that. I mean, it is a miracle. It it is a miracle. For him to not be on crutches or in a boot, it is a miracle. Or on the scooter. That's what they usually have at this point. But, hey, you know, maybe he's taking ivermectin. Who's to say? Who's Who is to say? Um, I know you're excited about this one, Mia, talking about those New York football giants. Let's get into this one. This is your boy, Justin Pugh. And over in Giants land, a Sunday night thriller saw the Bills barely hold off New York with a goal line stand as time expired. But everyone was talking about this on social. Justin Pugh, who the Giants brought back to the franchise in at left tackle, straight off the couch last week. Literally, that's how he introduced himself in the game's intros. Rather than saying that he went to Syracuse, he said he came off the couch. As he went from his couch to the practice squad to the starting lineup for the New York football Giants. Is this one of the most improbable free agency stories ever? He played well, Mia. It's a great reunion story, except for I'm looking at his pro football reference right now, and they have him weighing in at 311 pounds. John, Justin Pugh no longer weighs 311 pounds. No, he trimmed pounds. up. He, he may be pushing like 270, maybe. Yeah, definitely. And he was playing offensive line against Ed Oliver and Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epineza. And he played well. He played well, all things considered. But then they like showed him like walking around, and I'm like, this man looks like a tight end. Yeah. How do you have him lining up right now? But he, I mean, he made it work to his credit. Obviously, he only played in five games last year um, for the Cardinals. Uh, 14 the season before that, 15 the season before that. We know he hasn't really been truly healthy, honestly, since he left New York. Um, but credit to him that he, he sees his opportunity, and in my opinion, one of the best Sunday Night Football intros. That we have seen in quite like, this some gives time. hope to everyone, right? You too can get off the couch and play in an NFL game if you're a little washed up. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, so usually on Sunday Night Football, like they have your like head pops up and you say your name and where you went to college. And some players will say their high school, some say their hometown, um, some make jokes, but you're usually you're asked to say your high school or your college, um, preferably your college, but some of them say their high school. And uh, yeah, he just. Justin Pugh, straight off the couch, which was like epic. 
It was epic. And then it was so funny because then when they had done the defensive intros, Dexter Lawrence goes, Sexy Dexy Clemson. And it was just like, okay, you guys are at least having fun. Well, you Brian Gable hasn't sucked that out of you. Giants stink. So I you mean, better that have was some what was most impressive. I was honestly impressed. I'm like, you're losing. I, I said, I, I zeded it out before the game started. I go, well, the Giants are in their throwback, so at least you got one thing to smile about. Because <laughs> there right. wasn't. Exactly. But, and Saquon looked okay. I thought Saquon so looked no, okay. Saquon looked good. Dude, listen, I see in our comments people are trashing Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor played a good game yesterday. He looked better he, than he, Daniel Jones has looked. He, he did. And that that is a whole other thing in and of itself because with the way he played and the offense John, had way more fluidity John, than Daniel Jones has had this season. I thought season. you said Daniel Jones was a top 10 quarterback. Last year he was. This year he <gasps> certainly isn't. Are you retracting your statement? No, I said last year he was a top 10. This year he has not been. There's no questions asked about that. He certainly has not been. Um, yeah, this is uh, – this is pretty bad for him. I, I listen. There was the bad decision at the end of the first half where he decided to run on that read option and hand it off to Saquon, where he got stuffed rather than actually trying to throw it. But guess what? There shouldn't have even been a read option. They should have just thrown it. It shouldn't have been up to him. So if it shouldn't have been up to him in the first place, you can't play on him. And you know the play calling at the end of the game, you could say maybe they got a little too cute with that last oh, yeah. play. But Again, guess what? into our earlier conversation about play callers getting too cute. But guess what? There was a penalty that wasn't called on it. So the Giants should have had another shot, and they didn't get it. So I have no issues. He didn't turn the ball over, which is saying more than what Daniel Jones was able to say earlier this year. The Giants' offense had more fluidity. That last drive, it was a hell of a drive by Tyrod yeah. Taylor. It really was. So honestly, I can't get on him too much, especially – you know, starting his first game in a really long time with no offensive line whatsoever. Including a guy who was straight off the couch. Including a guy who was straight off the couch, who himself played pretty well after a rough couple yeah. first two series. And I see Eddie on the in the chat noting about, you know, not having Andrew Thomas. And, like, as much as we're having fun with this topic, it is true. I mean, the Giants are down four offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, it's – it is significant, especially for a team whose offense is predicated on the run. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you throw that Giants effort in there last night with a quality offensive line, and they're going to win some games. Which says more about the Bills, in my opinion, yeah. because this is now two straight weeks in which their offense has been a no-show in the first half. Um, credit to the Jags' defense, by the way, because they did shut them down. And credit to the Giants' defense, who obviously, you know, forced them into some uncomfortable situations, just like the Jets did week one. Um, but it has, I think, made some people reevaluate who the Bills are, um, especially now with a Matt Milano-sized hole in their defense. Uh, Daquan Jackson is out along the defensive line. You know, Damian Harris is now down. Their, their run game is already anemic. I think as long as you have Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, you are going to be in the conversation. But uh, they're human. Uh, to be clear if the giants are going to hang with you and shoot themselves in the foot and that's the only reason they didn't beat you you got problems yeah and again no call at the end pretty much handed the bills the game even though you know you can't you can't really blame officiating for any loss or win uh but officiating and rule delegation has been a big big topic in the nfl this year and it comes into play with our next topic yeah, so a fine is almost certainly on the way, John, for Dolphins wide receiver Tyree Kill. He grabbed a flip or a flip phone, an iPhone, and did a back flip after scoring a touchdown in Miami's win over Carolina on Sunday. The problem is the NFL posted the video initially, then they took it down because he's 
probably going to get fined. John, is it time for the league to just get over itself with these dumb fines for celebrations? Yes. Like, like I'm like I'm in the boat of like, okay, DK Metcalf or was it DK or was Elijah Moore? Which the Ole Miss wide receiver? It was DK, right? That he did the the, the peeing. I'm that was kind of sure, weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Randy Moss. Some of the stuff he did. Yeah. Joe not. Horn. Joe Horn with the flip phone. With the, with the Saints, the flip phone pulling up the phone from underneath the padding of the goalpost and then yeah. making a call. I think it's amazing. That's calling your shot. I, I, I thought, think... I thought uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott, once upon a time, jumping into the Salvation Army, um, been circle, pond, what do we call it? The 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 pub. Pot. The pot, the pot, the pot. thank yep. you, the kettle pot. And then, like, you know, using it as a means to, like, draw attention to it and, like, create, like, a fundraiser. Like, I thought that was great. Yeah, I have no I, issue I have with no it. issues with fun celebrations. They, especially everyone's retweeting it and watching it and spreading it. Like, that's – I talked about this on SNY last night, actually. You know – that the NBA has had so much success in marketing its superstars because they create moments like this. Why would you shy away from any chance to market a superstar? And, you know, Tyreek Hill has a questionable past in his own right, but you have someone here who can do something exceptional with his backflip. He's still a great receiver. And you're posting something that looks amazing from an aesthetic perspective. It's only going to draw more people. It's only going to allow you to be more profitable. So I see no reason to punish players for bringing some fun to the game. I think it's asinine that we're doing this now. Well, if it's you like just dying disres- on a. It's dying on the stupidest hill. Like All right, this if is, you're this doing is, something, this is, like you allow Tyree Kill to do some other things and still play, and yeah. this is the hill you choose to die on. Yeah, like I, you know, if if you're doing something disrespectful to your opponent, that's one thing. If you're taunting them, it's one thing. This was not a taunt. This was, hey, I'm going to do something cool. I'm, I'm going to do. He he clearly planned this thing out ahead of time. He knew yeah. what he was going to do. The, I think it the was, phone was Scott ready to the, go. Scott in the comments noted this. Um, I believe from what I mean, it looked the same kid to me. Um, it looked like it was his personal photographer, anyways. So there you so go. Like, he had it all planned out. So he knew. He knew I'm going to score today, and when I score, I'm going to do this celebration. Which I mean, that's a badass you know right that's calling your shot that's yeah. good you, you know it's the f in nfl does not stand for fun folks it's very unfortunate no, it is and i it's I really, a game at the end of the day but like why would you not want to showcase your biggest names in a fun fashion to attract fans i just don't understand that and the league i know we're making something out of something that is ultimately very small but the league looks really bad posting that to social and then taking it down. They look worse taking it down than they have leaving it up and finding him. They look worse by taking it down because that's them acknowledging, oh, crap. What we Our do? social team thought it was fun, but our legal team did not. Right. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. What's your favorite uh, NFL celebration off the top of your dome? Joe Horns. Uh, Joe the, Horn. Without a doubt. And that was against the Giants. That was against... Your boy, Jesse Palmer, a quarterback. Oh. I was against his New York Giants. Bachelor Nation, baby. 
2003, the bachelor he actually, himself. Uh, he actually, it was funny, our, uh, for 1010, we do our Gator roundtable with Spurrier every year and Doring and Shane Matthews. And uh, Spurrier went on a tangent about Jesse Palmer on The Bachelor. And he, re- he retweeted, he reposted on Instagram, the roundtable. We got 20,000 views. We're like, hey, sign me up. Yeah. So shout out to Jesse. Um, no, I would say I've enjoyed, I have enjoyed in spite of the NFL's asinine rules, I have enjoyed all the choreography that has emerged, um, whether that is the dancing, whether that's when they do the bowling pin and everybody, to- I think it was the Eagle or the Vikings or the Eagles that did that. And then they topple over um, shout out to the Jags locally. I thought the toy story Andy's here. I thought that that celebration the other day was, that was a good one. That was, that was, was one. great. That was great. So yeah, honestly make the NFL fun again. It's very disappointing. Uh, let's get to a sport that also has sucked the fun out of it. By far and large. Major League Baseball! Go ahead, John. (laughs) Well, we've reached the ALCS and the NLCS. There's a whole lot of talk if the actual best teams are left standing. We saw all these division winners just get taken out one by one. I got a question. And it's a fair question to ask. Does Major League Baseball have the worst playoff format of the big four sports? And if so, how would you propose we blow it up? Well, so here's the thing. How how much um, outside of the, the you know, wild, the revamped wild card from a few few years ago, is there any difference between a top seed having a bye in the National Football League and the top seed having a week off bye in yes. Major League Baseball? Yes, there is, in my opinion. Go Go for it. Explain to the listeners. In the NFL, you need that bye week to get healthy. In Major League Baseball, having a week off is not going to do that. It's not going to serve that same purpose for these teams. One of the true specialties of the baseball season is that it is a 162 game grind. And that's what the whole idea of winning the division is supposed to be about, right? You come out there, you win the division, you reap the rewards of that. If you have that rhythm disrupted by not playing for a week, a game where these players are used to playing pretty much every day, you very much run the risk of having your rhythm thrown off. I think rhythm is a massive thing with baseball because look no further than the teams that have found success here, like Philadelphia, like Texas. Like Philadelphia did last year too, by the way. Like Philadelphia did last year, absolutely. You catch this fire at the end of the season, and you're able to run with it. It's very similar to what ha- what is happening in the NHL year after year with the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. playoffs, where we're seeing now seven seeds, eight seeds, routing one season, two seeds. It happens. But we also, John, we live in an age of the Cinderella story, The NCAA tournament is year in and year out, whether you like basketball or not. It is one of the greatest sporting spectacles in our nation, in our world. People love the 16 over the one, the 15 over the two. So do they still like that in baseball is the question. It's just different because everyone goes in with the same odds in March Madness. You're going to have better teams. But everyone's got that chance of survive in advance on the same day's rest, right? Everyone mm-hmm. has that. 
you can maybe make an exception for the first four teams, you know, in the whole round of 68. I do love when teams like people will joke and they'll be like, did they, per- did they intentionally lose their conference tournament so they could have a couple days rest before the NCAA tournament? That's silly. But it, ever since we got this expansion of the major league baseball playoffs, I think it very much devalues the 162 game season because we're, we're letting so many teams in and letting them in while having these division winners have to sweat it out in of sorts where they find themselves having to just sit back and wait and you lose that rhythm. You can practice, you can take batting practice, you can throw simulated games. It's not the same. It's right. just not the same. And in the NFL, Mia, to your comparison, bodies are so destroyed at the end of the year that you value having a bye week mm-hmm. just to try to get healthy going into the postseason. Do you right. see the difference there? Oh, absolutely. And to support your point, I'll give you an, an even greater analogy because obviously football is the complete opposite, like you said. Um, golf, the Ryder Cup. Um, Sahith Tagala of Full Swing Acclaim, one of the top rising golfers in the United States. He went on um, the foreplay podcast on Barstool a couple weeks ago, um, which despite your, if anybody has feelings about Barstool, Dan Rappaport does work for them now and he's a legit journalist. And so Dan had Sahith on and the first thing he says, he goes, Dan, I have no idea how all those guys didn't play the week before, two weeks before the Ryder Cup, three weeks before the Ryder Cup. Because I played last week after sitting out for two weeks, and I shot like a 90. Yeah. And it's the same thing in baseball. There is something to you have to have the bat or the club in your hand because otherwise because you're, you're playing lose. every day. Right. You're, you're playing every day. Right. Golf, and baseball, you're playing every day. Football, you're not. Yeah. You're just not. It's just not the same. What even do you make of the football. hockey situation then? The fact that so many, um, you know, and even and the NBA to an extent well, too but, has had a but little here's, bit of that. Here's what hockey and the NBA have right is that you go by seeding and that's how the matchups happen. So you don't need to have a wild card round where the bottom eight. Well, you have a play in tournament. The bottom four. You have the play in tournament, but the play in tournament happens so quickly that it doesn't disrupt anybody's pace of play and flow. In the NBA, you're used to having two to three days off between games sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's not abnormal. That's and and that's the grind that those teams in the playing tournament have to go through. If you were to repropose, pardon me, structuring the Major League Baseball playoffs while allowing all of these teams in, you have to go by seeding and change the whole thing up where you have a number one seed and they play the number seven seed. Or, or, I mean, it wouldn't be even like that. You would need to expand to another team, even though I'm strongly against doing that. But there is some answer here that makes the 162 game season worth something. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there was nothing wrong with the original format of the four teams, and you had one wild card and three division three division winners. winners yeah but but then they said okay let's add another wild card so we because get because we want the marlins card. to hang a banner and we want the yankees to feel like well, they're included well, but there was nothing there was nothing wrong with even the i was fine with them adding a second wild card because you got the cool exciting one game playoff it didn't disrupt anyone's flow they got a couple extra days off that was it right then you had this wild card round where teams are sitting on their asses for a week and you're just like what do we do 
But it's because they looked at the NFL and they said, oh, my God, look at all the revenue they're getting from that extra. Oh, I understand why they did it. Doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. I agree. Uh, Who was the best team of the four remaining? The best team of the four? Yes. Or who is, you could could tell me who is the best, according to what you said, 162 game season. And who is playing the best right now? Because there is a difference, in my opinion. I mean, I I think right now the Phillies and Rangers are the two best teams standing. I have felt that they would be the World Series matchup. I thought that the Rangers and Astros were going to go seven, but right now it's not looking like it. So Texas is playing out of their minds. The Phillies are really good. The Diamondbacks remind me a lot of the 03 Marlins, and I think they're chippy. And if they were to upset the Phillies, I wouldn't be surprised by it. But I think the Phillies just have so much going for them where playing at Citizens Bank Park has become like playing at the old Yankee Stadium. And you Mm -hmm. get that mystique and that aura of the postseason baseball. It just changes the dynamic. And Mia, I think that's a great way to transition into our next topic. Oh, okay. I see you. Um, uh, Yeah. Yeah. I saw this on the rundown, and I, I, I shed a small tear, John, and the world's smallest violin played. 20 years ago, on this October the 16th, Aaron Boone hit one of the most famous home runs in baseball history, knocking the Red Sox out in Game 7 of the 2003 ALCS, but they walk off homer in the 12th that sent the Yankees to the World Series against the aforementioned 03 Marlins. John, what is your favorite holy crap, I can't believe this happened moment in sports history? <laughs> I'll tell you, this is very much on the short list for it. It has to this be. This is very yeah. much on the short list. I still think probably the Giants' first win over the Patriots is yeah. probably the most holy crap, I can't believe this happened moment that I can remember in my fandom. That's definitely, it's on the short. Both of them are on the top 10. Yeah. I, I think the Boone home run is slightly lower just because they didn't end up winning the whole thing. But it was this amazing moment to, I mean, that I mean, with that said, you could almost put Jeter, Mr. November in um, sure. the Diamondbacks, of the 2001 World Series sure. that they didn't win. You could put that right there with Sure. Him. I mean, if you that was that, enough, that was one that you were like, oh my. And like when they did it back to back nights, that was, a, I cannot yeah. believe this. If was you happened. remember that ALCS in 03 between the Yankees and Red Sox, it was one of the most heated series in baseball history. Uh, Don Zimmer getting thrown on the ground by Pedro Martinez. Uh, it was wild. And that game, game seven, is one of the greatest playoff games in baseball history. Uh, very much so. Uh, David Freeze, 2011. World Series, that game is one of the, I I literally can't believe what I just watched. Um, And then Buck's call of we will see you tomorrow night. We'll see you tomorrow night. That Um, was great. Trying to think here. I can hit you with a couple that I've witnessed in in person. Um, We, of course, have to start with my favorite moment of my professional career, which thank you, Scott. Absolutely. Rest in peace to Tim Wakefield. And um not so happy about what his former teammate did um, because obviously a super unfortunate situation up in Boston and our thoughts are with Wakefield who actually is from down here in Florida. Um, It has to begin with the 2016 NCAA tournament um, covering Northern Iowa. My first time, 23 years old covering the tournament first job. And uh, what's crazy, John, 
I actually had a conversation with one of our listeners on 1010 about this, was that that UNI team had been a top 25 team the year before all season long. They had gone to the second round of the NCAA tournament in 2014. They entered 2015 with a ton of high heralded hopes. They beat North Carolina, the number one team in the country. It was not a buzzer beater, but it was a massive win. They, they're in the top 25 again, and then they lose six straight. And everyone wrote them off. And that included my boss. And so I was the one relegated to covering the Panthers and driving to Cedar Falls. Um, but lo and behold, they pull it together. They win 10 of 11. They win the Valley Tournament. They go to the tournament. And then the infamous um, half-court buzzer beater by Paul Jesperson at the buzzer uh, to beat Texas in a 6-11 game in the first round of the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, and you got Kurt Warner, like, sprinting around. Everybody's looking at each other, like – and, again, you're trying to be a journalist and, like, be impartial. But, like, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you. I ran into the bathroom because I had to pee before we got to talk to them. And I just, like, screamed into a towel because it was just one of those moments where you were like, I cannot believe that they yeah. won the Valley on a buzzer beater and they just won and are going to the round of 32 on a buzzer beater. Yeah. And then, obviously, um, they, two days later, had the greatest – blown lead in NCAA tournament history too, which was also another, like, I cannot believe I'm witnessing this. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, the Villanova title win mm-hmm. definitely is up there. Yeah. It was same year, by the way, that, that NCAA tournament, one of the best, yeah, I think there was like tournament. six buzzer beaters in that tournament. And obviously it culminated with Chris. I think Jenkins. honestly, I think the first 16 over one too in, yeah. in, in the men's Virginia. side, you know, Virginia losing. I think that that one's up there with UMBC. Uh, I'll give you one more personal one. Mm-hmm. 27, nothing last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. I mean, a movie um, felt like a movie. And like, I, I'll never forget one of the security guards. Like, you know, I had my credential that allowed me onto the field, but like, there was a security guard hassling me and like the head of security comes over and was like, no, she needs to be witness to this. Like we need, and like, like to have someone say that to you, like the gravity of like, Oh my God, like Mm -hmm. this is like a historic moment of like, I'm about to witness tiger tiger. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Is up there. I was, I was, I can remember exactly where I was. I was at a hibachi place watching a TV and I remember I verbatim. It was amazing. Um, Man, just there really is though. There is something so unique and special about the Major League Baseball postseason when it's really something else. There's just something magical about it that other sports you can have these amazing playoff moments, but you remember the gravity of a walk off home run in well, a like a walk off buzzer, game. a buzzer beater, or walk off home run. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing I, I, like them. It's just different. It really is just different. The LeBron block is yeah. probably one of those moments too yep. for me. Yeah, man, there there really are so many. But Boone Boone is right up there, right? Right. And he got, he worked it into a job at ESPN and a job managing the Yankees. Who would have yeah. thunk? Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, Mia, we got one more topic to get to here. Yes, this is before our beast of the week. So this right here is Valentina Rodianenko. She's the head coach of the Russian artistic gymnastics team. She looks like it. And this week she called out Simone Biles after Biles won another world championship recently to become the most decorated gymnast in the history of the sport. Rodianenko said there is no aesthetic to Biles' performance, just difficulty, and that the bar has been set low for her. And all I got to ask, Mia, is hate is going to hate. When was the last time 
that Russia had an all-around world champion or an Olympic. Oh, champion. without the help of doping and any... like what the the 90s, the 80s. <laughs> yeah, this this is ridiculous. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Miles for this, it, it's like okay, I understand there is a lot of grace and beauty to a great floor routine, right? There certainly is. That can all be accomplished while also tackling an incredibly difficult routine, which you don't got to know anything about gymnastics to watch Simone Biles and say, my goodness, was that difficult? And since when are we valuing style points over accomplishment? In what I mean, world, they do it in the NFL every week, but that's besides the point. In what world are we actually doing that, though? Okay, yeah, he hit that home run far, but his team's losing 14 to 1. Doesn't Michael matter. Phelps won eight gold medals, but I didn't like the form on his freestyle. I mean, how ridiculous is this? Yeah. Or, or I mean, honestly, it, it's her way of saying, like, oh, the judges, like, it, it's akin to, like, um, personal fouls like how Josh Allen anytime Josh Allen the quarterback not Josh Allen the pass rusher um will get hit and then he'll immediately like wave to the refs I mean Aaron Rodgers does it too and immediately you know the flag gets thrown I would equate it to that it's her trying to signal that oh you know people see you know they, they see Simone Biles and like up oh, 10 out of 10 there you go give her her flowers there you go there, she she wins this is brutal I I Sour grapes, if you ask me. I mean, beyond sour. This is some of the saltiest stuff you're going to see. Especially, like, if you are an ambassador of your sport, why would you not appreciate greatness in front of you? I don't care what country they're from. It does, and I understand there's a lot of political tension between Russia and the United States right now, but this, to me, just reads, as you said, sour grapes. I can't stand this. I think this is such a misjustice to Simone Biles, who genuinely is Mia. I think by our last days on this earth, Simone Biles is going to go down as one of the top 10 greatest athletes that you and I will have ever watched. Easily one of the top three gymnasts, which what's wild about it is like we grew up in an age of Sean Johnson and Gabby Douglas, and we never thought there'd be somebody better. And she is superior to them. She's probably going to make the Olympic team again. Like that's unheard of at her age. She's absolutely amazing. Appreciate greatness when it is in front of you. All right, me, it's time for our beast of the week. What was the most beastly thing you saw in sports this week? You well, haven't brought up Iowa football today. Oh, so you stole my thunder, John. How did Go you ahead. know? Oh, my God, folks. If you didn't hear about this, let me tell you. Um, so in case you missed it, our Lord and Savior, Kate McNamara, as in the quarterback of the Iowa Hawkeyes, formerly of Michigan, uh, has a torn ACL, which means that Deacon Hill, the Wisconsin transfer, who, of course, is from Santa Barbara area, California, uh, has now ascended to the starting role. Deacon Hill, he of, uh, let me read for you, John, his game by game since he took over the starting quarterback position for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, his first start against Michigan State, 11 of 27 for 115 yards. Iowa won 26-16. But then there's more. The last two weeks, Deacon Hill has completed six passes. He was six of 21 in a 20 to 14 win over Purdue. He was 6 of 14 for 37 yards against Wisconsin on Saturday, John, and Iowa defeated the Badgers 15 
to six. You want to know how they did it? I'm going to read it for you because it is just so Iowa. It hurts. LaShawn Williams, an 82-yard run touchdown for Iowa. A pair of Wisconsin field goals to make it 7-6 entering the fourth quarter in which Iowa had two field goals and a safety for good measure because why not? And how beastly is that to complete just six passes and be on the fast track to the Big Ten Championship game for the right to get slaughtered by Michigan. But let's also give Deacon Hill his flowers because he completed those six passes in a win over his former team. Ready for this? My beast of the week is also going to go to Iowa, but not football. Not football. It's going to go. Iowa women basketball. basketball. Yay! Iowa drew a record 55,646 fans for their win over DePaul in an exhibition in what was dubbed as the crossover at Kinnick. Uh, This was amazing. They set up this game on the football field where the basketball court was in one end zone and they built some temporary stands to enclose everything. And, uh, you know, Iowa women's basketball the past couple of years has really set the nation on fire. They got that uh, stud there that uh, I think triple double. people may know. Yeah, triple 34, double. 11, and Ms. 10. Clark. Casual in 50-degree weather. Yeah, uh, this was really cool to see. And uh, all those fans coming out and supporting women's basketball. Women's sports has had a really, really fantastic month. The WNBA finals are drawing well, uh, I think. This is exactly what you need because it it is the living proof. If you build it, they will come. And the more prominence we see in that regard, I I think it's just great for everyone. Yeah, and Coach Bluter even said too, I loved her comment post-game when they got her on the microphone, and she said when she first started coaching women's basketball in the 80s, you'd be lucky to get 50 people to go to a game and to have 55,000 people come to a game, which granted is because – the greatest women's basketball player on the planet. Yes, I said it. Um, Or at least the one that captivates the imagination of the world right now is in the game. Um, I mean, it's a huge step forward for women's basketball. And a lot of people will also compare it to Nebraska volleyball in the fall. I think they're two separate massive accomplishments, how they filled um, their stadium. They filled Memorial stadium with, I think it was 65,000 for the volleyball match. Um, so it's it, it's huge to see, and uh, yeah, it, it's super cool. But what people don't realize is Iowa actually back in 2015 they did a wrestling match at Kinnick. I think it drew like 30 to 40 thousand people, um, and they did it before the football game, which is crazy. Um, but it was it, it was super cool to see, and obviously I you know have ties to the program. But yes, definitely beastly, and I encourage you. Um, men's basketball is going to be great. I turned in my first AP top 25 of the year that dropped today. Um, Women's basketball, yeah, it's probably top-heavy, John. I think the middle's pretty competitive, though, which we haven't been able to say. That top seven, if you go through the AP ballot that just dropped today, like the AP poll, like, I mean, this could be seven teams we are talking about, like, greatest of all time, and they are all playing at the same juncture, which is wild. Love to see it. Love to see it. Great basketball season ahead, no doubt about that, as well as many great episodes of Out of Bounds still to come. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. Wait. We'll see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.